Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. Well, my name is Noah. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and um, it's good to be in church today. Amen? Um, We're just so happy and overjoyed that you're here, and if you're new, I really hope that you feel welcomed, and uh, stick around. It gets better. This summer, we've been walking through this series called Keep in Step, and this series is a walkthrough of the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians is the Apostle Paul's letters and interactions with the people in the church of Galatia. And what we're doing throughout the summer is we're taking a section a week in a hope to more deeply understand this book. Um, And from that deeper understanding, extracting principles that can be imparted and implied to our life here and today. Two weeks ago, we covered Galatians 2, 11 through 21, and out of that we learn that it's not your, it is your faith in Jesus that saves you and changes you, not your works or good intentions or background, but only by faith in Jesus we receive salvation and sanctification. This is going to be the next chapter, and it kind of holds those elements and takes it to, brings it to another point, and it says this. For today's main point, you were changed and set free by your faith in Jesus. The Holy Spirit moves not based upon your good works, but your faith. And because of Jesus Christ, you are free from any stronghold, curse, or bondage of sin because Jesus is your salvation in this life and the next. Amen. Today, we're going to be covering Galatians 3. 1 through 14. I'm going to read the entirety of this passage, so verse 1 through 14, and then we're going to walk through each verse and kind of break it apart a bit. So let's read the passage. Galatians 3, 1, it'll be up on the screens, or you can follow along in your Bible. It says this, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now then, that it, it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. In the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, 
Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeem us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, to us. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Verse 1, let's go back. <clears throat> Paul writes, starts off this section, and he says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. The Apostle Paul starts this in chapter 3, and he starts off with this question, who has bewitched you? Another word for bewitchment is deception, tricked, or my personal favorite, to be bamboozled. Um, he asked that because of their behavior of returning to a works-based relationship with God instead of faith. And throughout the entirety of this book, he keeps driving this point home about having your faith in God. The question is very rhetorical in nature, but I think it's something that we can learn from. To be bewitched or deceived or bamboozled is to lead away from the truth. Oftentimes, because of pride, we think we are imper impervious to such things. We think we're invincible. We think that we cannot be tricked or deceived. Oh, but we can. To truly be deceived involves you not knowing it's happening to you. You were tricked or bewitched. So the moment you think, oh, I could never be deceived, be careful. <laughs> you too and me can be tricked. Now in the same line, what is the solution to this trickery, this deception, this bewitchment? He says it in the same line. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly betrayed as crucified. Jesus and his work on the cross is always the solution. For he is the way and he is the truth in the life. And truth is the antidote to deceit. And Jesus is out always to set people free from lies and deceit, the lies of the enemy, and the bondage of sin. It reminds me of this passage in Luke 4. Jesus says this to his disciples, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Let's continue on to verse 2 and verse 3. It says this, Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? We know that this is written to a church in Galatia 
thousand years ago. But we also know that this is for us today. I believe that one of the most sinful tendencies of believers is to slip into this mentality, this works or law-based dead religion, because old habits die hard. In the same wrestling that you see with the Jews in the scripture are the same wrestlings that we have in our current life. We receive the Holy Spirit by faith in Jesus and not by our works. The process of becoming holy after we receive the Holy Spirit, this process of sanctification, is not through our works of the flesh that perfects us, but it is always the power of the Holy Spirit that changes us and sustains us. We must always guard our heart against this tendency of falling into this works-based dead religion and lean on Jesus and be led by the Spirit. Because we, I, we don't want a dead works-based religion. We need the living, active, and miracle-working Holy Spirit every moment of our lives. It is not your works. It is your faith in Jesus and your submission to the Holy Spirit that will bring you life and life abundantly. Verse 4 and 5. Did you suffer so much, so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the work of the law or by the hearing of faith? Suffered in vain. To be a Christian at that time, and even now, is countercultural. Very. We as Christians are not led by a culture that is out there, but we are led by the culture of Christ. What we read in Scripture and what we learn from that. And to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus, is really to be a part of this upside-down kingdom. Meaning this, the first shall be last. Love your enemies, to pray and believe in things unseen, to move in the supernatural, it's backwards. It reminds me of what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 16. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But... Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You want to bring heaven to earth? Believe in faith for miracles to happen. The Holy Spirit is gifted to you through your faith in Jesus. And miracles happen when we believe in faith for God to move in supernatural ways. You want to put that picture up for me, Talon? Love the, the media team. Always working in the background. My wife, Alyssa, and I, we've been married for um, 12 years. Um, we got married pretty young. Um, she was 18, and I was 21. Say yikes. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, we won't go there. Um, married for 12 years, and um, we have three kids. Um, my eldest is named Israel. He's actually going to be seven tomorrow. 
which is awesome. Um, Everly is going to be four this summer, and Jet's going to be two. Jethro, what we like to call him, Baby Jet. Um, our little family that you see there, um, our, our journey hasn't been one of just like constant success. Um, like many of you, we had a lot of struggles to get pregnant. Um, before Israel was born, our eldest, we actually had two miscarriages back to back. And it was really, really hard and difficult for both of us. But we continued to believe and try. And it was really, really dark because at first your thought is, you know, are we ever going to be able to have kids? What's wrong? Lord, why didn't you answer my prayers? All these wrestlings. And then our first son, Israel, was born. And I was like, yes, Lord. And then years go by, Israel grows, and we want to have a second kid. And we start trying again, and then another miscarriage. And when you start stacking those things in your brain, we had three miscarriages as one child. And then you're sent to specialists and all these things and all these meetings and tests and all these things. And you're like, Lord, why didn't you answer my prayer? Lord, is, this, is nothing else going to happen from this? Lord, is this going to be my one kid? And I wrestled with God a lot with it, being frustrated and not understanding why, and being frustrated and angry and defeated and sad and all of these emotions. I landed in being like, I settled and I was like, okay, Lord, if my one child was Israel, if my one baby boy was, this was it, Lord, that's enough. And thank you for this blessing. Kind of around that same time of this wrestling and even this settling with me and Alyssa. We met with another pastor in Walla Walla, Bob and Kara Grimm. Um, awesome church. And just coffee and just to connect with them. And at the end of the meeting, I'll, I'll never forget it. We were actually in their car in the parking lot of the church. And while we sat in the car together, this topic just seemed to come up. This topic about one child, three miscarriages, doubts, faith, unknown, settling, all of these things came up. Pastor Kara, though, in that moment, full of faith, she was like, hey, can I just pray for you guys? And she placed her hand on Alyssa's stomach and she said a really simple prayer. Something happened in that moment. Alyssa felt movement and heat on her stomach in her womb. I will never forget it because she actually jumped. We had hope. So, tried again and believed, and one month later we were pregnant again, but I had so little faith that it was going to come to full term. Because the stacking odds in my head, it was three miscarriages and one kid. I mean, will this one even take? Will this be? But checkup check after checkup, the baby continued to grow. And then Everly was born. My little miracle girl. You can do the one. And, and then you can show the next one. And still to this day, she is... I. I've told Kara, Pastor Kara, so many times on this, like, 
Oh, yeah. Your faith. <laughs> so we tried again, and, you know, we, in, in, we tried again for another kid, and Jethro was born. No issues, nothing at all, just life. I believe and I know that God supernaturally worked in my life. And that he's still working miracles today. If you asked around this room, you would hear many, many testimonies about the miraculous movement of God. How about this, just for fun? If you've experienced some sort of miracle in your life, just raise your hand. And keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Now just kind of glance around. That should do something to your faith. Because it does something to my faith. That when I see and I know many of your stories, something in me, something in me begins to believe at, an, at a, even a deeper level. Faith changes everything. It's not your works. It's not your good intentions. But it's faith in God to do the miraculous. Faith for your salvation. Faith for the next thing. It is the faith in God that begins to move and move in the supernatural. Your faith isn't only for you, though. It's for you, but it's also for those around you. Let's do verse 6 and 9. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now then, that is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. In the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those that are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Abraham, in scripture, you find this in Genesis, he was considered the father of faith. He was considered the starting point of this faith. But who was Abraham? Surely he had to have some background or some amazing knowledge or amazing schooling or any of that. None. Abraham was a pagan and he was a nomad. Meaning that he just worshipped whatever God. And then also a nomad, meaning he traveled with a tent and took care of flocks of animals. But something happened to Abraham under the night sky. You can go read about it in Genesis. It's incredible. It says that he was looking at the night sky and then God met him. In that experience, because he believed in God and had faith when God was talking to him under the night sky, it changed him. And his faith in a God that he could not see changed him and changed his story. And from that faith, what came after? righteousness because from faith next is righteousness and the two can't be mixed up it always starts with faith and i think you can even see in galatians paul's frustration about doing this good works or even this works-based religion is we take righteousness and we place it on top of faith but it's not even how it's supposed to be built. Your foundation of who you are as a believer is built on the faith in Jesus. And then from that comes righteousness and everything after. God is the only one that makes people righteous. 
not their own works or their efforts. Have faith in God and follow the Holy Spirit into righteousness. In you shall all the nations be blessed. This was the phrase that Abraham heard when he was under the night sky and having this encounter with God. And Abraham had this faith and it changed him and it blessed him and he was considered righteous from it. But his faith in that moment just wasn't for him. It was for many people. And just like his faith wasn't just for him, it was for many people. Your faith in God is not only for you. It's for those behind you and with you. Pastor Kara, had faith for Alyssa and I when I had very little. Your story was changed by faith. My story is changed by faith. And many others will be changed and have their trajectory of their life changed by your faith in God. I have a lot of faith for families in here, for my own family. I believe that in this room, because of your faith, there are curse breakers in this room. That because of your faith, there are sin cycle breakers in this room. That because of your faith in God, I can see even the trajectory of a son and a daughter, grandchildren and great-grandchildren changed because of your faith in God. Because God is out to do one thing, to set the captives free and to change outcomes. I have faith for your friends, faith for my friends. I believe friends will be changed and come to faith because your faith. I believe that the friend that is far from God, the friend that was led astray or deceived, that God is willing and he's able have faith for him to move in supernatural ways. I have faith for the city, for our city, for Moses Lake. I believe in faith for this city that the enemy will not win. I believe what I read in scripture, and what I read in scripture is this, his kingdom will come, his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Moses Lake's on earth. I believe and have faith that we have seen the move of God in amazing ways. But I also believe we have seen nothing yet. Because I have faith in a God that is able and willing and he is faithful and he is so good. In John 3, 16 and 17, 17 gets left out a lot. I think, it ha I think it is an attached thought. So John 3, 16, you probably heard, and 17 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then 17, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus loves your families. Jesus loves your friends. And Jesus loves this city. And his desire is that all would, would put faith in him so that all might be saved from the bondage of sin and death. Verse 10 and 12. 
For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evidence that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. What is this curse that you see in this passage? In layman's terms or a simple term is this. It's the curse of never measuring up. The law of God is this impossible standard to uphold in our own strength. And we are perpetually doomed because of our sin-riddled world and our existence in it. We will sin, we will fail, and we will fall short. That's why as believers, as Christians, we must rely on the strength of another. And his name is Jesus. The great sacrifice that covers all sin for all time, for all people in all places. He measures up in our place, satisfying the perfection of the law and making a way through him of redemption and salvation, and it's only through him. For he is the way, the truth, and the life, and in him our faith must reside in order to live the life of a Christian. When we rely on Jesus in such ways, I think about this verse in Matthew 11. One I quote to myself often. <laughs> it says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The good check for my own soul is this. Is my yoke hard and is my burden heavy? If the answer is yes, we, I, have once again put myself under the curse of the law. The impossible standard to measure up on. I've met people under the curse. I've been that person under the curse. In verse 11, it says, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. It is evidence, or in another phrase, it is obvious. It's easy to spot in our own life and others when we stop walking in faith and we start walking in works. I don't want that for my life or for your life. I want to live a life full of faith. Ben, you want to come to the stage with me? If your desire is to live a life of righteousness, which I do believe should be the fruit of a Christian, your life should have this good fruit that we read in Scripture. So righteousness comes out of it, but it starts with faith. It's not about what you did or did not do or all these things, but it starts on this foundation in a God that loves you. And from that faith, it's not just faith for a moment or a season or even a particular circumstances. It says that you shall live by faith. 
That every breath that you would breathe, that every moment that you would exist would be full of faith in Christ. And from that life of faith, from that foundation, out of that will come righteousness. Making your life a testament of the goodness of God and his great love and grace for people. In Psalms 23, it says, He leads me down paths of righteousness for his namesake. Not for mine. Not to make the name of Noah great. No. He leads me down paths of righteousness for his namesake. So that others would see my life or see your life. Righteous believer. And go, what is that? And after that question, what is that? It would be, it's Jesus. Why I live this life, it's, it's different. It's because of Jesus. It's not because I got my act all together. Or I read my Bible, read your Bible. <laughs> but not because I do all these things, but it's because of Jesus, I'm so changed. Follow him. The final two verses... 13 and 14. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Cross. Hanged on a cross. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. The curse of the law does not lay on our shoulders anymore. It lays on Jesus and his work on the cross. Don't live under the curse. Live in faith. God keeps his words and his covenants and his promises. And all those years ago, as Abraham, a pagan nomad, looked up at the night sky and had this encounter with God in such a powerful and real way, faith rose up in him to believe in something that he cannot see. And then he heard this phrase, out of you, Abraham, all nations will be blessed. He had no idea the gravity and the beauty of that statement. That even now we sit under the blessing of Abraham because of someone else's faith. That Abraham had this encounter with God, put his faith in God, and the blessing of Abraham extends now to you in 2023 in Moses Lake, Washington. It was then fulfilled and brought to completion by Jesus. It says that Jesus is the completion of the law. He's the fulfillment of the law. He's the fulfillment of these promises and covenants and all of that. If you have lived out your Christian walk thus far, relying on your works, or maybe even living under the curse, I think today is the day to start a new chapter in your walk with Jesus and to live by faith instead.
That is your foundation. That is your starting point. And from that faith in God, that you would receive the Holy Spirit, or in the passage it says, the promised spirit. And that promised spirit, that Holy Spirit, will empower you and enable you to walk in the calling that the Lord has placed upon your life. I'm not the only one that's called. We are called. And that you would live, as Paul writes somewhere else, in the fullness of your calling. And that you would walk, in Ephesians, in a manner worthy of your calling. And that out of this life, rooted and founded in faith in Jesus, that you would lead a life of righteousness and you would lead a life led by the Holy Spirit in full of the miraculous. Want to stand with me? And prayer team, you can come on forward. We are going to end with worship because I feel like sometimes passages like this require some sort of response from us. So the ask is this, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, come forward and get prayer. If you are weary and heavy laden from the curse of the law, come forward and get prayer. If you want to place your faith in Jesus and become a follower of him, come forward and get prayer. It'll change your life. And if you wish that someone could just pray with you and you're like, man, I already missed my moment. <laughs> Here's another moment for you. While we worship and while that's going on and have a response time, I pray you, you would connect with the Holy Spirit. You would connect in the, with the Holy Spirit in the same way that Abraham connected with God under the night sky. Because you know what you really need. A great sermon is fine. A gathering is great. All of these things are great. But none of it matters without God and Jesus in the center. So you know what you need? You need an encounter with the living God. And that encounter, just like it did to Abraham all those years ago, will shake you and change you. And it will change you in such a way that faith will rise in you. So when we worship, I want you to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And it's always, you know, we, I, I feel like we complicate things all the time. <laughs> but really, it's just this. Lord, speak to me. Draw close to the Lord and He'll draw close to you. Talk with Him. Make yourself right with Him. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for help to how to walk this out. Ask for more faith for an extra measure to enable you. And probably in the midst of that, worship the one that is worthy of it all. Amen? Amen.